Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 223, Setting Up on a Wild Turkey with Will Primos. And I am your host and the guy who still has not pulled the trigger on a deer yet. The pressure is on. It's mounting. I'm feeling the world closing in on me. We have about three and a half days of deer season left. Yes, our deer season in Alabama is extremely long and extremely drawn out. In fact, it is too long, in my opinion. Despite the lengthy deer season, I have yet to squeeze the trigger on one. Not even a shot fired at one yet. I've seen several now, but I have not squeezed the trigger yet, and that will probably change Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning of this week because I need some more meat for the freezer, and my mother-in-law has asked for some deer meat for the freezer, and I can't let my mother-in-law down. She probably would think I'm a terrible hunter, and we can't have that happening. So even though we're three and a half days from the end of deer season in Alabama. We are only 37 days, 15 hours, 5 minutes, and 46 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. All right, I've got lots of great info for you guys today. I've got some turkey soup for you since it is still prime time for turkey hunting news. And I have the long-awaited interview with Will Primos about setting up properly on a turkey hunt. And Will is going to share his knowledge with us on that. Now, this is a topic that was actually suggested by my buddy Griff Balti from Kentucky. And by the way, Griff, call or text me if and when you'll be in Nashville this coming week. I'd love to see you again. Shake your hand and say hello. See how things have been going for you. All right. Let me get back on topic here. The reason that this interview is long-awaited is because Will and I actually did this same interview, or the topic for this interview, about 100 episodes ago, basically two years ago. And I had some technical difficulties with the interview. So I'm going to play for you a little clip of that interview so you'll know what I'm talking about. Yes, that was it. You heard it. It was a little over an hour of 
silence. And actually, I just played for you Will's part of the interview. My part of the interview sounds just like this, with me talking in it. But Will's part did not come through in the recording, and I don't know what happened, but whatever that technical issue was, fortunately for me, has not happened again. But Will, being the good guy that he is, agreed to come back on the show, and this interview is long-awaited by me, because you guys probably never knew that I even conducted that interview with Will to start with, but I'd been wanting to get Will on the show for a long time. I had him on a couple of years ago, or tried to have him on a couple of years ago, and it just didn't work out, but we fixed that now. You know, I probably, like most of you guys, have admired Will for quite some time. He's not only just a super nice guy, but he is really very smart and a good businessman as well. So I'm looking forward to bringing this interview to you guys today. But first, you get a little dose of regular old me with some new turkey soup. First up today, I thought this was pretty interesting. I'm not really sure why I think it's all that interesting, but I do. So Maine Wildlife Department officials are considering offering a youth turkey season during the fall. If the proposal is passed, each youth turkey hunter will be allowed to take one turkey during the week of Thanksgiving. Personally, I think that's a pretty cool idea, and I hope it passes. Number two, Indiana turkey hunters, and any of you guys who want to turkey hunt in Indiana this year, you have from now until March the 22nd to apply for a special opportunity, or as they call it, reserved turkey hunt. Applications are taken only online at hunting.in.gov. There are a slew of hunts available in the reserved hunts, so you guys should have no difficulty finding one or two of those hunts that you would want to apply for. Now, the next topic, when I saw it, I thought, you know, that'd be pretty cool to do. That would be something I would be very interested in doing. I don't know that I'm going to be able to even try to squeeze it in for this year, but I may as well look into applying to see what all kind of regulations or restrictions there are in putting in an application. But here's what I'm talking about. The 2019 Cape Cod National Seashore Turkey Season is going to take place this year from April the 29th through May the 18th, which is basically the first three weeks of Massachusetts season. If you're going to apply and you get drawn, you will need to get a National Seashore Turkey Hunting Permit in addition to your state hunting license and turkey hunting permit. All other state hunting regulations apply on the seashore. They will be issuing only 150 weekly permits, which is going to be 50 for each week. So the opportunities to get in on one of those hunts are very limited. The permits are only valid for the week that you're selected for. And if you want to apply, you have to do so by mail. So if this is something you're interested in doing, I would recommend going to your favorite search engine and typing in Cape Cod National Seashore Turkey Hunt. And somewhere in the results should be an opportunity to click a link to actually download the turkey hunting permit application. And then you should also see the address that that application needs to be mailed to. 
Your application must be postmarked by March the 31st of 2019. Topic number four for today. Fall turkey hunters in Pennsylvania will be losing one day of their fall turkey season because the state will be opening its deer season two days earlier. Pennsylvania state officials say, eh, no big deal. That segment of turkey season was only a three-day season, which accounted for only 20% of the fall harvest anyway. So, tough luck, fall turkey hunters in Pennsylvania. Congratulations, deer hunters in Pennsylvania. Personally, it seems kind of silly that they would cut the season by one day in order to open their deer season two days earlier, when why not let it overlap, even if just on private land and not on public land? Oh, well, what do I know? Okay, so you guys are now up to date on the current need to know turkey and turkey hunting news. So let's jump into the interview with Will Primos and let's learn a little bit more about what we should and should not be doing during that critical point of our hunt in choosing a setup spot and actually setting up on that gobbling turkey. Here's Will Primos and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today Will Primos, who I'm sure all of you guys know in the hunting world, and we are going to talk about a topic that I think, and I know Will does too, is extremely crucial in determining whether or not we're going to be successful on a turkey hunt. And so we're going to jump right into this. Will's got another engagement right after this interview, so I want to be respectful respectful of his time. So we're going to jump in and go with this. Will, how are you and where are you today? Oh, I'm at home. I'm in Madison, Mississippi, so thank you. I'm proud to be a part. Good deal. Well, thanks a bunch for coming on and taking time out of your schedule to do this. Yes, sir. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. Well, I'm, I'm 66. I'll be 67 in a couple of weeks. Born in 1952. Grew up in a wonderful extended family of aunts and uncles and grandfathers and great-grandmother and all lived on the same small 52-acre little plot of land, had a lake, and as I grew up, all I wanted to do was fish and hunt and frog gig and you name it, and that stayed with me as I went to school and I had to be beating the head to study and all that kind of stuff, because all I wanted to do was be outside and play <laughs> Sounds familiar. like a lot of young boys, but uh, at any rate... Um, I started making, uh, you know, turkey calls and hunting turkeys and all that, and that was quite an adventure trying to figure out and un- understand the sounds. And uh, I even got turkeys and wild turkeys that a guy had run over the mama with a bush hog, and I <clears throat> incubated the eggs, and I ended up with a gobbler and a hen, and had them in a pen in my backyard and studied them and recorded their voices their name was conway and loretta all right <laughs> yeah that's what, that's what that's what i named them and that was a lot of fun and i learned a lot uh i'd feed them crickets and when you would tease the hen she'd sit on my my 
leg and I'd tease her with a cricket and if I took it away from her she'd kind of do a half-hearted cackle and just hearing it that close was interesting and to hear that note and that double note and then how they can their voices would change they, they, they were raspy some days and some days they were clear and then hearing a lot of the little feeding sounds and stuff like that that they would do and I'd go out there and throw the crickets on the ground as they chase them and make all these little noises so i use those in my turkey hunting and you can hear that i guess you can hear that probably more deer hunting than any other time uh, you're up the tree deer hunting and a flock comes by you and you get to listen from the and if you're if you're able to be still enough and have them not find you up in that tree because they're, they're so sharp oh my gosh they are. but anyway they you can listen to those sounds but you know, my uncles and, and my daddy worked a lot. He he would take me small game hunting, squirrel hunting, and dove hunting. But my uncles were avid, avid. And so I just was encouraged by them. And I was hunting deer and hunting ducks and hunting doves and quail. Quail was a tremendous love as a young man. That kind of went away as the habitat changed. Mm-hmm. A wild quail anyway. And so I, I just... I don't know. I, just something about the springtime. I love the springtime. The weather, the fronts coming through, the little greens, I call them all, the trees blooming back out. And I just like the life cycle of the turkey and the gobble of a, of a gobbler. And I love setting the turkey. And, and the ones that take two or three hours, if they ever come, and then they come in there looking like a big, bad joker who's standing there looking for the slightest little thing out of place because he knows the hen's over there somewhere, but he don't he don't want to go to her. He wants her to come to him sort of you know, deal. So anyway, mm-hmm. I just love the game. And I've hunted them, gosh, just about every state in the country. I have to add them, which ones I hadn't visited. But I've loved that, and I've hunted some. I've, I've hunted some Rios in Kansas, and some Miriams in New Mexico mountains that were just as bad as an Eastern. Oh yeah. But all in all, an Eastern, an Eastern swamp gobbler, is is the baddest. I mean, they just bad. They are. <laughs> They're mean. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I think if if a hunter can get to where they're killing those fairly consistently then most of the other birds the subspecies around won't be quite as much of a challenge well i don't know what you mean by consistently but if you mean consistently week in and week out for several years i just don't think that's possible (laughs) you may you may have a good run at it one year the next year you'll find out that was just luck Well, my my hunting season last year would would prove your point to a T. So we're we'll leave it at that. I got whipped by plenty of them last year. I got whipped by some too, but I had some hunts last year. All all this 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 whole thing with Primo's hunting calls and hunting started uh, as I began to make these calls and began to sell them. I needed a way to. I, I didn't have any money. So I call it radical marketing. You find out how can I get the word out? How can I get people interested? So you go to a show in 1983, it was the audio cassette. It wasn't even a, a DVD. It was an audio cassette. That's all we had. And so I took recorders to the woods and recorded hunts. And then I put together some instructions and did those and put out a cassette tape that had an actual hunt on it. 
and then gave the different sounds of turkey instructions. And I used two other good friends of mine to help me with that. They had different perspectives than I did and could, you know, maybe help somebody more than I could. Different people can help different people depending on how you communicate. Anyway, and so that was the first effort. And, and, and then came the VHSs. And then later they turned into DVDs. But this year, I got to go for the first year in 42 years of having the company in the first time since 1987 by myself on my own place and set to a turkey. No camera, no, no, nobody wow. telling me not to shoot because I ain't seen the turkey. And that was last year. And um, I really had a blast. I, I, I mean, I had some knock-down, drag-out. And as you get older, everybody's going to lose some hearing, but I I didn't protect my ears as a kid. So it's one thing I want to throw in here on this podcast is make sure you protect your hearing, especially shooting doves, quail, skeet, sporting clays. Every time you hear ringing, you can, you're just about sure that you've damaged the nerve, and the nerve will never come back. It doesn't regenerate, yeah. and you're going to lose hearing. So uh, that that means a lot. But I, as I stood there, I can remember standing on this one ridge. And it's a very very sharp ridge. I call them I, I call them hogbacks. I mean they're, they're sharp. I mean, it's, and they, they fall off in front of you and back of you. And I'm standing there and I'm listening. And I heard this. Ow. I went, "Dang, that sound like a turkey." So I moved about a hundred yards down the ridge and just stood there. I yelped on a box call. And I heard, I went, dead. yes, sir, that is him. That's a turkey. I mean, the first time I heard him, it was so far away, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it was in response to something. And it just, it's just, the, even though the hearing doesn't pick it up perfectly as a gobble, it's something to it. And then you right. get where you really can't hear it. But anyway, I killed that turkey, and I ended up shooting him at less than 10 yards. And, um it was just, it was just, it was just great. <laughs> it yeah. was just great. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you touched on something that I hear quite a bit in talking to a lot of the men and women that are in the, in the industry, the hunting industry, and that is that this is the first time in 42 years you have hunted by yourself without a camera, yeah. without yeah. having somebody bossing you around telling you you can't shoot, you know, yeah. shoot now. Okay, don't shoot. Shoot now, and so and that takes a lot away from it. And we we've got yeah. the best camera guys over the years, from way back there with with Ron Jolly. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, there have been so many good ones: Brad Ferris, Jeff Sherwood, Chuck Jones. I mean, they're doing some fantastic. And Troy Ruiz is there now, and when you got Jordan Blissett and Lake Pickle, these guys, they're great, and we're like. We're just like one almost, and so it's a lot. It, 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 it's not that bad, but it can be. Uh, I remember I was over at Macon, Mississippi, hunting, and the, the the turkey. When he showed up, he showed up where we didn't think he would. He 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 came up, up around a little bit different. So my gun is to the left of where he is, mm-hmm. and I it's a, I have to move the gun two and a half feet to kill him. So I can't move yet because if I move, he's gone, and. So I, I whispered to Lake to make sure he knows where the turkey is, and he didn't. Now he sees him. And so the turkey figured it out, mm-hmm. and he's about 
35 yards. And so he starts rubbernecking and doing his little deal and moving to the right. And as soon as he got a big pine tree on us, I mean, he's booking it. And I leaned over and Lake said, no, I can't see him. Boom. And I shot him because I could lean over and shoot to the side of that tree. And I killed him. But the, the camera sees the turkey fall into the frame, but it didn't actually see the shot. Well, I just said, just, I, I said, Lake, I, hey, that might not have been exactly what you wanted, but that's what you got. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, I've just gotten a little bit impatient in my old age because it's hard sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you yell at a turkey off and on, and you play the silent game, and you're scratching the leaves, and you do all the things you think you know how to do to get him to want to come see you, and that takes an hour and a half. And finally, he shows up. You want some stupid cameraman to tell you, you can't shoot. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that for those of us that watch the TV shows and, you know, I'm going to go back in history and go back to the VHS tapes because that's where I was first introduced to Will Primos was in the Truth series. And, you know, we see that and we think, well, that would just be awesome to do that, you know, do that full time and you know, have that be a job and whatever else. And I know it has been awesome. It's been a great experience for you, but there's so much to it that, you know, I think that we that are not in the industry full time don't understand it. It is a job, you know, and you're trying well, to make it, it, a product. Yeah, it it is. But, you know, I, it has been wonderful. And it, it we were very lucky to be able to put together what we did to promote the company and to be involved in the the fun side of the business, if you will. And we've learned a lot watching these hunts and watching our mistakes. You know, you, you go back and you think, wait a minute, did I cackle him? Did I ever cackle him? And you don't even remember. And you, you, you watch the tape, and sure enough, you find out whether you did or you didn't. Or you see your body movements, and the camera might be right behind you, and you see your movement, and you see the turkey in the same frame, and the instant you move, you watch him pick that head straight up. He caught it. Right. And it teaches you, it teaches you stuff. So those kind of things have been wonderful. So don't get me long. I've been so fortunate, and it's been a lot of fun. It still is. Uh, I'm, I'm wanting to do a little things that I like to do. I love to wing shoot, so I, I, I'm... I'm traveling around shooting wild quail. I just got back from the Arizona-Mexico border hunting Mern's quail, which was an incredible experience. And I'm going to do it again. It was so much, it was so cool. But going back to what we're talking about and making those sacrifices and being with the camera, making that your job, you know, it, there was a passion involved. It is something that I love, but I like quality things. I like doing them a certain way. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I used to use, try to tell somebody that ha- what sacrifice can mean if you sacrifice things so that you can have what you really, what you really are after later. And I had a guy in, in my Sunday school co- uh, class quoted a guy, and I later, after Sunday school class, up one parent said, now what was the guy's name? It turned out to be his son. And here's the quote, and this applies to so much of life, not just turkey hunting and building a business, building a hunting business or whatever it is in life, whether it be a relationship with your wife, a relationship with your kids, your father, your mother, whatever. 
And this is it. Discipline is simply turning down what I want now so later I can have what I want most. So you can apply that to so many things. And it in turkey hunting, that applies because it's discipline. I mean, do not move. Do not move anything on your body at any time at all. Get comfortable and grin and bear it. Because if what you really want to do is shoot that turkey, you better have the discipline to stay still so I can have what I really want later. Right. I can I can get my uh, my my behind that's gone to sleep or is now numb. I can fix that later. <laughs> true. Very true. I love that quote. By the way, that's that's awesome. I just li- I live by it. I, I got it. I, I got it in different places around. I remind myself all the time because it's all it's all about discipline. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about how we can get ourselves in position to have our rear end fall asleep on us so we can get a shot at, at a bird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, right. I think that, and of course there's no way to measure this, but I think that setting up on a turkey is probably the single most important thing that we do in a hunt that determines whether or not we're going to be successful. And... You know, I would say most days it's probably 80 or 85 percent of what it takes for us to be successful on a hunt is choosing that right setup and having everything else fall into place like it should. So what I want to do is get into your head a little bit here and let's just pretend and you can do this now that after this past season, but let's pretend that you're hunting turkeys without a camera crew. Okay. It's just you, and you've got a bird gobbling on the ground. Let's say he's 400 yards from you. It's early season. Let's put you in an area you're familiar with that you know pretty well. Now, what's step one? Kind of walk us through what's, what's happening. He's gobbling at crows, or he's gobbling at hawks, or whatever he's gobbling at and you're going to start making your way towards him what what's your first step well my first step is i'm listening and if he's gobbling very readily at whatever sound that's coming crows owls let's say he's gobbling at crows then i'll stand there and i'll 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 just do a single note just to see if he'll answer it Mm-hmm. And I love having somebody with me because a lot of times he'll gobble the instant you start that single note hoot, and you may you may not hear it or you, it may be inside your own hoot, and you look at did he did he, did he, he cut you he cut you I said okay now the terrain is the next thing is it flat is he above me is he below me yeah uh, what's what's the deal. So if he is above me, I have got to get even with him or I've got to get above him. Now, why is that? You, you got to put it in your brain that a, a turkey doesn't like to come downhill to a call. He knows in the springtime that he's vulnerable. He's gobbling. He's moving. Every critter, every coyote, every coon, everything that loved to eat him 
knows where he is and can lay an ambush for him, bobcat, whatever. Some bobcats are really, really good at killing turkeys. So if he's coming downhill and you're calling to him, he's not going to do it. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to get around and come. He's going to be silent, and he's going to come around and get below you or even with you if he wants to come that bad. And the reason for this is this. If he's coming downhill and he sees something in danger and needs to get away, he's got to turn around and try to run uphill. He can't take flight because he's trying to – he's going to have to – depending on how steep it is, he's going to have to push off with those big drumsticks and get the, get up in the air and get the air up under his wings to take off. If he's coming uphill and he sees danger, he can turn around and push off with those big drumsticks and spread those wings. He's gone so fast. He's faster than a quail. Yeah. It's amazing. So you got to look at the terrain and decide. So let's just say it's fairly flat. He's down in the hardwood bottom. How open is it? Is there a chance he can see me move? Why don't I just, why don't I just stay right here a minute and let me just start out right out the bat and do a, do something aggressive. Cackle at him one time, trail off with a few light yelps. He gobbles back, maybe maybe he gobbles twice at it. And just sit there. Just be quiet. Nothing, nothing. And 10 minutes later, a crow sounds off, and he's a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it might be better to start right where you're, right where you are. You can always play with them. You can always call to them, and you've always got a chance if they don't see you. Right. But if they see you or they see something that they don't understand, it's over. So my biggest deal, I love to be in the game, but you're not in the game if he ever sees you. I like to use, I use a Polaris EV. It is a fantastic electric vehicle. If you take care of them, and you do a few basic things, they will service you so well. If you don't take care of them, they can be a nightmare. But I would rather ride in my Polaris than I would walk because those legs going back and forth, you can ride, you can ride by a flock of turkeys and a buggy like that and keep on going. You can hardly, they're hardly spooked. Right. You walk by them, and they're bad spooked. You're right. Let's say he doesn't come to you. After you okay. do something, you know, do a couple of aggressive calls, he doesn't move. He's he's kind of stuck where he is. And okay. so he's in that hardwood bottom. And How well do I know the hardwood bottom? Is yeah. there a ditch down there? Is there a tree, creek down there? Is there something that's keeping him? It's a little bit of a barrier. I mean, they can do whatever they want. They can jump them and fly across them. But let's, I need to know that. Absolutely. If I can. Yeah. So uh, in this scenario, let's say you're very familiar with this hardwood bottom. It's, it's on your property, and you know from your preseason scouting and your deer hunting where every blowdown is and every fallen log and every ditch that's got a drop of water in it. And, again, we're talking early season in Mississippi, so a normal springtime we're probably got just a barely starting to peek out with some foliage on the trees. How close are you okay. going to push it on that bird? <laughs> you know, I don't want to spook them. I just don't want to spook them. I'm, I'm going to 
Yeah, I might try to move another 50 or 75 yards, and I'm I'm, I'm probably not going to go straight at him. I'm going to go from to the left or to the right and angle toward him just a little bit. And then I'm going to sit there and I'm going to listen. And, and he may have a bunch of hens with him. Now, if it's early morning, if it's really early in the morning, and so I'm, I'm, I know he was roosted somewhere near there, probably I'm not going to force it. If he's going to keep gobbling and be in that area, I'm just going to listen. I'm going to sit there. I may sit there for three hours. And I'm just going to enjoy it. The next morning, I'm going to be closer within 100 yards of where I think he was gobbling from. And if there's any terrain features at all, if the bottom slopes up to the sides or whatever, I, I want to be above him. He, hopefully, he'll be below me. Mm-hmm. If there's any water down there, if there's a little slough down there, I'll bet he's going to be roosted over that slough. So I'm just going to sit there, and I'm going to let the morning do its deal. I'm not going to get out of crocodile. I'm not going to start hooting like a nut. I'm just going to let the morning wake up. And if I don't hear anything, when it gets to be time for fly down, when I can focus on the leaves and I know they could fly down if they wanted to, I'm going to take out my wing. Uh, this is a cut off of a hen wing I killed in the fall, mm-hmm. and it's been spanned out. I got a string tied to it. It stays in the back of my vest. And I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to flap it like a fly down. And I'm going to pick up my box call. I like to cackle on my box call. And I'm going to... And I'm just going to shut up. He may gobble, he may not. But because I was there early the morning before, and I heard him gobbling, I heard him on the ground, there's a good chance he's going to be within here in that spot the next morning. And I'm going to try to begin to do my homework to figure out what are the habits of this turkey? Where does he like to roost? Where does he like to fly down? And I'm going to do my homework so I can be in the right spot in the next couple of mornings to be able to kill him. Very interesting. Patience is something that that I think a lot of us turkey hunters have to consistently work on. (laughs) I used to didn't have a whole lot of patience, but I've gotten a lot lately. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally get that. All right, so you have taken into account what kind of obstacles might be in the way, whether that's a ditch or a creek or a blowdown or whatever it is. You find that spot that you want to sit down and start calling that turkey in. How do you pick the tree that this is all going to happen with? Yeah, ideally, I'm I'm just a I'm a diehard from Mossy Oak Bottomland. I don't care if you're sitting mm-hmm. against a pine tree, a hickory tree, an oak tree. It is, in my opinion, by far the best camouflage. I use it out west, elk hunting, even against an aspen. It's amazing what that pattern does. And if, if at all possible, if I've got a little bit of foliage in front of me, it doesn't hurt a thing to block because you are still a blob. And mm-hmm. if a turkey's real familiar and ain't used to that blob, he gets suspicious of it. But I'm going to try to get a tree that's bigger than my back to sit against. And I'm going to try to get a tree. I, I'm usually going to sit not facing not, not facing the turkey, but I'm, I'm right-handed. So I'm going to put my left side to where the turkey is gobbled from or where I think he's going to come from or where I think he's going to show up. Mm-hmm. That way I can shoot 
to the right, straight on, and to the left. I've got 180-degree coverage, and my left shoulder is facing where the turkey is going to come from. If you face him, you're restricting yourself to the right if you're right-handed, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't, you don't switch shoulders readily, which I don't. I'm too right-eyed to switch shoulders and shoot off my left shoulder. Okay. Um, so, so I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to find a big tree to help to help break up my silhouette. And I mean, if there's a palmetto bush near me, or if there's a uh, something that's got some foliage on it, or anything like that, I can snip it real quick and stick it in the ground in front of me just to break me up. It doesn't hurt a thing. Okay. Are you? At all, considering the sun. Yes, I, I'm a. I'm in. I'm in the opinion that tends uh, a lot on the terrain and how much the sun's blocked and how I think the foliage is and what you in the woods are in the field. But the turkeys typically don't like. I think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning, east side in the afternoon of a turkey. Okay. Now, how does really all of this change for you if you're in an, in an area that you're unfamiliar with? Well, it just adds to the complication. If you've played somebody in chess before, you know some of their moves, you know what they're capable of, you, you start the game with a little bit of knowledge. And same thing for turkey. I mean, you go to a place you've never been to, you don't know the terrain, you don't know where the fences are, you don't know what kind of fences they are. I hunted a place one time, I, that gum turkey, he came to you know 40 yards on it, like a, just running to me. And then he was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So finally, I'd let him walk off, and I walked over. It was a hog wire fence, mm-hmm. and it had, it had been it been it, it was old and rusted, but it still it kept that turkey. He didn't want to jump over it, fly over it. If you don't know those things, they can they can work against you. I've had them come to a death. I've had them I've had them fly across a river. I'm talking about a river that was over a hundred yards wide, and then I've had I've had them come to a creek that was three feet wide and wouldn't cross it. Mm-hmm. So you you tell me. I mean, every turkey is different. I do think that a lot of times people try to get too close. They think that's the number one thing to do. The closer I get to him in the roost tree, the better off I am. And I think that works against you more times than not. If he's up in a tree, good big old tall pine or oak, and you're on the ground 75 yards from him, and you start calling finally i mean i hopefully people ain't gonna call while he's still in the tree because that's gonna screw you up more times than not mm-hmm. but if you do do a tree yelp or whatever to him while he's in that tree to try to make contact with him he knows you're on the ground he heard that sound and he can pinpoint it like crazy right. so sometimes getting too close now if you get close and you got the patience and you have the ability to let him gobble his head off and let him fly down on his own that works pretty good, but still you can be too close because it's going, wait a minute, I was just in the tree. I just flew down. I didn't see that turkey walk up right there. So I, I, I usually, depending on the terrain, depending on my experiences with that turkey or my lack thereof, if 
it's, if it's a new place, I'm, I'm probably going to be 150 yards, 125 yards. If it allows me to get there, if I can move fast enough in the dark. You're trying to, you know, you got topos, you got maps, you got onyx, you know, you're trying to look at what you got and try to figure out the lay of the land and you're at this, this new place. And uh, you're trying to make the best decisions with the information you've got as to what kind of what kind of area the turkey's gobbling from, where he might want to go. If you don't know where the fields are, sometimes the turkeys will head directly toward fields. Later on in the year when the fields get kind of food plots or whatever, stay or grows up and it's a heavy dew or it's been a, a rain, they don't like to get wet. They, they'll, they'll avoid it. So those are things to know is where you want to be. But later on in the afternoon, they're going to go out there. If they've gotten wet and gotten rained on, they shed that water pretty good. But they're still going to go out there and get in the sun and fan out and dry out and cruise around an open field, especially when the insect starts hatching. When, the, right. when you start getting a good hatch, that's where they're going to be. They want that protein, and they're going to have to chase some grasshoppers and whatever's available. Those has another spot to look for. But you're going to have to do, if you're in a brand-new place for the first time, which I've been to a lot of brand-new places the first time, and if you've got somebody who has hunted there and will go with you uh, and act as your so-called guide, letting you know where, what the train pictures are like. I mean, I can tell you one time I was with somebody in Turkey Gobble, and he said, come on. And he, he went away from the turkey, hit an old logging road, looped around, he knew that turkey was up on that ridge where that road went over. We got even with that turkey uh, by using that logging road and cut off to the side of it, and he came right down the logging road. But couldn't have, I don't think we'd have been successful if he hadn't had that knowledge because I'd, I'd have been trying to go straight to the turkey probably, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have figured that out. Right. Now, you mentioned fields, and I know from our previous conversation you'd prefer to lock up with one in the woods but what are there any special considerations that we need to think about when we are setting up on a field to call a bird in? Because I know a lot of people that listen to the show, they hunt these agricultural areas where all they've got are fields. You know, I say all they've yeah. got, they've got heads of woods and that kind of thing. But what do we need to think about when we're getting ready to set up on a field edge? Well, you know, you had mentioned decoys. I, I we manufactured decoys, you know, had a lot of fun learning about the decoys, the coloration that the head needs, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. they can be fun in a field. And you get one of these old field turkeys that he flies down, he gets in that field, and they'll gobble his head off, and everything comes to him. And he, he ain't coming to you. you can, I always like to back up in the woods 25 or 30 yards, and a lot of times I will stand because that gives me a better view. Most people don't think about standing. I've killed quite a, a quite a few turkeys standing because right. that gives me that gives me the best uh advantage vantage point and the best clear shot too um but you know you you, you get back 25 30 yards in the woods and you he, he hears you in the woods you scratch around over there you yelp and you see if he'll come try and take a look but the most effective decoy is what we call be mobile which the tail is mechanical. You pull a string, and the string's attached through the body of turkey to the tail, and it lowers the tail and brings it up. And I have seen many a bad, bad, bad turkey die because of that, because of that, that particular decoy. They, there's something about that 
movement, and I use a real tail. We make what's called a fan holder, and you take the it doesn't hold but sixteen feathers. There's you typically eighteen in a turkey's fan, but you take those feathers and put them in the fan holder, and it's something about what that turkey sees in a real feather versus a silk screen deal. They, they can fool them every once in a while, but there's nothing like the real feathers for fooling the turkey. And you move that tail, I'm, I'm, they're, they're, they're convinced. It's a goblin. He's got a, a decoy over there, he and decoy with him, and, and bam, he's, he's coming. And sometimes they come in on a mean walk. They're coming to bust some butt. <laughs> You're right. That is fun. And effective. Yeah. No doubt. It can be, yeah. 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 Well, good deal. Well, Will, I know you need to get running, but I certainly do appreciate your time and Oh, man, this has been fun. You're getting me fired up because it's, it's just right around the corner, isn't, isn't it? it, though? Yeah. Well, it's got me all fired. I've been sitting here with a huge smile on my face during our whole conversation. I've just enjoyed it. And, yeah, it's got my blood boiling. I'm ready to go. Well, good deal. Well, I hope that you redeem from last year, and I hope that I redeem a few as well. I hope that you're right. I hope we both have very successful and safe seasons, and I look forward to seeing you here in, well, right about a week in Nashville. Yes, sir. Well, you look me up, and I'll tell you this. Whether I kill one or not, I'm going to sit there in the woods, and I'm going to thank God that I am going to be forever smiling just knowing I got to be in the spring turkey woods chasing a tall timber cabriel one more time absolutely i know you and all of us will feel that same way thank you sir i appreciate your time again thank you yes sir look forward to seeing you soon have a great day okay thank you andy talk to you soon okay goodbye bye-bye all right i know and i hate that the end of that interview was a bit abrupt but will had to get out of the door for an appointment and I certainly did not want to be the cause of him being late to that appointment. Will is always gracious with his time and with his knowledge, and he doesn't expect anything from sharing either. He wouldn't even let me ask him about Primo's hunting because he wanted this interview to be about you guys instead of the company that he started and grew over the years. I'm telling you, he would have spent two hours on the phone talking to us about turkeys because he absolutely loves it just like we do. And I know this to be true because he did spend two hours on the phone with me on the interview that you don't get to hear. So, (laughs) sorry. Listen, if you guys are going to be in Nashville for the NWTF convention and sports show in about a week and you see Will at the Primos booth or wandering around the hotel or in the show somewhere, please tell him that you heard him on the Turkey Hunter podcast and Thank him for sharing his time and knowledge with us. Oh yeah, and if you need some turkey calls or gear, then check out the Primos booth while you're there. All right, time for my favor of the week. Just sit back for a second and think of two turkey hunting buddies who you have saved in your phone. I'm just going to pause now while you think about that for just a second. Now, Open up your podcast player application and share by hitting the share button on the application or forward the link to this week's show to those two turkey hunting buddies via text message. Doing this will seriously take you about 15 or 20 seconds. It is so 
easy and it is so quick to do, but it will be a humongous help for me and for getting word out about the show. That's it. That's all that I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.